Last week I shared a message, a house of prayer is a life of prayer. We saw how Jesus said, my father's house is meant to be a house of prayer. We also read then in Corinthians, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 9, where the apostle Paul tells us two really important things that we need to remember. Number one, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of God. And number two, you are not your own. You were bought with a price. You were redeemed. And the Spirit of God lives in you. And God wants you to be a showcase of his love, his power, his might, and everything that he is. I believe more and more that we as Christians are meant to live in the supernatural. And I encourage you to allow your faith as I preach uh, what I said last week, what I said this week. I hope when you get the um, sermons on a Monday, we text them to you. I hope that you take time to listen to some of the highlights so that there will be moments of faith that trigger you, maybe even go over the sermons again. But in the conclusion of last week's sermon, I talked about how uh, we are living for sure in the last of the last days, but the miraculous, the ability to see things in the Spirit before they happen, the ability to hear God, the ability to know what's ailing your son because the Spirit of God whispered in your ear, uh, words of knowledge, prophetic words, dreams that come from the Holy Ghost, outright visions, gifts of healing. These are normal for the body of Jesus Christ, and we are that body. Can I get an amen? If you are a temple of the Holy Ghost, well, the Holy Ghost lives in you then, and that's what Paul says, and the Holy Spirit is full of gifts of healing, full of gifts of faith, full of gifts of wisdom, full of gifts of prophecy, and all of those great things. So, all of that is in the house. I want everyone to put their hand over their chest and say, all the gifts of the Holy Spirit are in the house. And I am the house that houses the Holy Spirit. I am the temple. Of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So last week I preached that a house of prayer is a life of prayer. And if Isaiah the prophet, and that's who Jesus was quoting, Isaiah 56, if the, I, the prophet says that my house, God's house, will be a house of prayer, how much more today you are the temple of the Holy Ghost and we're meant to live lives that have a custom of prayer. I want to share some scriptures with you uh, in the brief time we have remaining. In Matthew 21, verse 13, this was one of the three Gospels that reiterated the conversation Jesus had. It is written, he said. God prophesied this. Church, do you hear? It's prophesied in the Old Testament, Jesus repeats it. I think that means that God's really serious about us getting the picture. Okay, I got two out of about a... Isaiah the prophet prophesied it. Jesus reiterates it. Three out of four gospel writers write it down. And then Paul makes it clear, we are the temple of the Holy Ghost. I think God is pretty serious about this. And therefore, this message is very important for you. I have been saying it for a while now. And I mean it with all my heart. I'm your shepherd. I need to tell you the truth. I believe that we are closing in very quickly on the last of the last days. I'm looking forward to our home going, but that God still has a work for us to do. Can I get an agreement? So a life of prayer is a life of miracles. That's my message today. I want you to see what you open yourselves up to when you create a custom of praying, 
a life of prayer is a life of miracles. In Acts chapter 1, no sooner Jesus uh, <clears throat> was raised up uh, to the heavens, uh, it says, Then the apostles, verse 12, returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. It's very interesting, the Mount of Olives. When Jesus rode into Jerusalem two weeks before his crucifixion, they were hailing him as the Messiah, King of the Jews. He specifically asked to ride on a donkey. His disciples went and got him a donkey and a colt. The prophet had prophesied it. We need to understand this. In his first coming, he came riding on a donkey. In Revelations, it says when he comes back, he'll be riding a white horse. And what we don't understand in today's modern era is that in those days, when a king rode on a donkey, it meant he was riding in peace. But when a king came riding on his horse, it meant he was coming for war. Amen. When Jesus was on the Mount of Olives and they're hailing him the king, his first coming was to declare peace. He came to bring peace between man and God, and he came to bring peace into our lives and set us free from the powers of darkness. But he's coming again. His name is Faithful and True. And he's coming riding on a horse, a white horse. And when he comes the second time, he will take his church, the physical bodies of those who have died in Christ before us will be raised first, and then those that are alive, that are born-again believers, will be caught up in the air with Jesus. But that will mark the beginning of the next era, which is very short. It's called the day of the Lord, and sometimes referred to as the day of God's wrath. But Jesus was on the mountain on a donkey, and they're hailing him. And this was now, as he sits on that donkey over the mountain, he weeps. And he says, if only you had have recognized the coming of your God, and what would have brought you peace. He actually says that. He's on a donkey. He came to seek and to save those that are lost. He didn't come to condemn the world. He came to save the world. That's why he's riding on a donkey and he weeps. If only you had to recognize. He knew that in 35 years, because they did not accept him after his crucifixion, Israel would cease to exist as a nation. He talked to his disciples much about praying. And a revival broke out because they were praying. Jesus had just gotten raptured up into heaven. And the disciples are coming back. They're heading towards Jerusalem from the Mount of Olives. The same mountain he was on, on the donkey. The same mountain he will touch down on when he comes with his horse. Okay. And so let's read what it says. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives, a Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they had been staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, Andrew, Philip, and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus, and Simon the zealot, and Judas son of James. And they all joined together constantly in prayer with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brother. They went to the upper room, they started to pray, and they continued constantly in prayer. They went to the room where they had been staying. They had been praying. In Acts chapter 2, we know what happens the Holy Spirit breaks in on that scene. Listen to me. I believe for a great move of the Holy Ghost that will bring hundreds upon hundreds of thousands of people into the kingdom of God before Jesus Christ returns. Several months ago, uh, we were praying here on a Saturday morning. Uh, was it a Saturday morning? I, it, it was one of the morning prayer meetings. And I kept seeing very clearly a sickle and a plow. And the Holy Spirit said to me, God is about 
to bring the sickle of judgment and also a harvest of souls. As you read the book of Joel and for year three Bible school, I just did a summary of the book of Joel and I learned for myself that the book of Joel is all about the day of God's wrath and it talks about there'll be a great harvest but there'll be a great judgment almost at the same time. And it, I realized then what I had seen in like a picture form and what I was hearing in my spirit. Church, we are near the last of the last days. And the, the Spirit of God is wanting to prepare His church for revival and for a great outpouring of the Holy Ghost, but also prepare us for the difficult things that are going to happen in the world. And a life of prayer opens up a life of the miraculous. I believe God wants to start doing miracles in your life more than you've ever seen, more than you've ever known. This whole sermon is to instigate you, maybe even to irritate you, to push you towards the belief and the action of praying because God is looking for a church. He's looking for a bride who will host moves of his Holy Spirit. I think I can speak for every one of you and say, we want to host a great move of the Holy Ghost. Can I get an amen? Absolutely. And so on Acts chapter 2, straight after they were constantly praying, it says, Acts 2 verse 42, after the Holy Ghost came and poured himself out and men and women started to speak in tongues and prophesy and supernatural things started to happen, 3,000 men and women got saved. 3,000 men plus women got saved uh, at Peter's first sermon after the, uh, Jesus ascended to heaven. And in verse 32, Acts 2, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. They devoted themselves to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Church, I don't know how else to put it, but I tell you categorically, as we keep moving forward and trimming our lamps, and coming into a lifestyle of prayer, we will see signs and wonders increase, not just in the church service. You'll see signs and wonders happening in your personal life. You'll see the interventions of God happening in your day-to-day -day business, your day-to-day -day marriage situation, the issues concerning your sons and your daughters, you will see the finger marks of God on your family. How many of you want to see the finger marks of God on your family? Amen. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer. Acts chapter 3, verse 1. One day, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the time of prayer at three in the afternoon. Here's Peter and John. It was their custom going to the temple at three in the afternoon to pray. Then we wonder why when we read in the book of Acts that Peter was so full of the Holy Ghost that they would line people up and down the street just so that his shadow would touch them and they would be healed. Can I remind you that this same Peter was the Peter who denied Jesus three times? Can I remind you that this same Peter was the Peter who had rough, gruff hands from pulling in the nets. He was just a fisherman. Can I remind you that this was the St. Peter who swore that he didn't know Jesus Christ? Hey, listen, miracles happened through them, not because they were the apostles, but because they had devoted themselves to a life of prayer. Hallelujah. Come on. Do you agree? Do you want it? More than do you agree, do you want it? 
We wonder how was it, you know, that uh, they would line up people on the streets. Wouldn't it be great if as you come to church on a Sunday morning, people are lined up outside just waiting for some Christian to walk by because the reputation has become so great of the healing power of God. Hey. Let's look at the next scripture. In Acts chapter 10, verse 1 to 4. Then verse 9 and verse 30 to 46. So I've plucked these verses out of the chapter. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a Roman centurion. He had about 100 Roman soldiers under him. He was a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He was one of my uh, relatives. He was really buff, too, just like me. And uh, he and all his family were devout, God-fearing. They had converted to Judaism. They came to believe in Yahweh. Their culture and their custom was paganism. They had a, a God for the name of every month. But this man had seen the piety and the the sincerity of the law of Moses. And he turned from that and became a converted Jew. And he worshiped God sincerely from his heart. He and all of his family were devout, God-fearing, and he gave generously to those in need, and he prayed to God regularly. This is a Roman centurion. I know that when I talk about Uh, developing a custom or a life of prayer, some of us might feel like, oh, gee, that sounds boring. Here's a Roman centurion. And I guarantee you that as he was on his horse riding through whatever streets of uh, Israel that they had placed him to man, I am sure that he was praying to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You see, I want you to develop a prayer life But a prayer life also consists of driving to work and just talking to God. A prayer life consists of having relationship with Jesus. And every time you have to do something, you call on him and ask him for his help. It would be great if you could come here and pray, but let's pray everywhere. Let's pray wherever we are. You know, every situation. Don't just pray before you eat a meal. (laughs) I grew up, we were trained, you don't take a bite, you're not supposed to take a bite until you pray and thank God for the meal. Even that's not common today. But it's not just those ritualistic prayers, it's a life of constantly including him. Are you constantly including him? When you're at work, are you thinking about him and your boss comes and he's a bit grumpy and he has things to say to you and tells you he wants you to do better? Are you talking to God about him or are you talking to God about you? And saying, God, help me to respond and to do the best that I can do. And uh, God, it's your strength. I look to you for your strength. In every aspect of our lives, we've got to become more God conscious. Prayer is not something we just do here in church. Prayer is a lifestyle. And so we need to become more God-conscious and be incorporating God and asking Him for wisdom and for counsel. My goodness, I've been preaching easily over 40 years now. And I'm still trim and taut. I've been preaching for well over 40 years. I'm still asking God for wisdom. Every time I have to make a decision concerning people, I don't want to speak out of my knowledge. I want to speak out of the heart and the knowledge of God. And so, you know, if ever I have to sit down and and talk with you and you ask me a question, behind the moving lips is, is a heart and a spirit that's saying, oh God, help me not to make a mistake here. Help me to say what you would say. Help me to know what you want me to know. And if you want me to just be in the dark, help my mouth to say things that will mean something to them. Mm -hmm. A life of prayer is a life that 
At every turn, we realize it's him we need, and he's our source. He's our strength. He's our ability. And it's that life that acknowledges that because it's constantly looking to him and saying, okay, God, help me now. Okay, Jesus, I need your strength. I need you to be with me. And then there are purposeful times that we set aside throughout the day and we say, you know what? I've seen the reruns of this here 50 times. I'm turning the TV off. I want to spend time with the Lord. I've never been a big one for jumping on end time, uh, um, the latest fad of end time things. Now, you've got to understand, I grew up in the church. All right, so here I am, I'm 62 years old. I've heard every end time fad, uh, was encouraged to buy every end time book that ever came up. Those of you that are older in the Lord, you remember when the, the alignment of the planets was supposed to be, right? I saw the smile, he gave away your age. <laughs> Something innocent like a smile can give away the age. Uh, but all manner of things. I remember when Henry Kissinger, one of our uh, foreign uh, diplomats, uh, was supposed to be the Antichrist. And Christians were convinced he was the Antichrist. And there was every theory, every speculation. There you go. A few more in my vintage. These are grapes from my vine. Uh, same age. Uh, but every theory. And I've never jumped on any of this stuff. Always a slight interest, but never jumped onto any of it. I am telling you today that in my spirit, I can smell the season. And we're in the last of the last days. And if I sound a little sober in this part of my message, it's because I want to impress on you how important it is to start cultivating a lifestyle of talking with God, talking to Jesus, and building a life of prayer. As you do, there isn't anything the devil can throw at us that God can't do better. He will give us the way of escape. He will do miracles. He will multiply the things that need to be multiplied, and he will shut the mouth of lions. But we have to be people committed to prayer. Why? Oh, God wants us just to put in X amount of hours of... No, it's relationship. It's never a legalistic thing. Oh, well, I want you to put in 10 hours a week, you know, and then you're good enough. No, he wants to rub shoulders. Can I rub shoulders with you? He, he wants to have relationship. He wants to be close. He wants to be able to hug you and know that you're hugging him, and that you love him. You're not just asking for something, that you enjoy his presence and you trust that he really is your source. That's what a life of prayer is about. Guys, I, I love the fact that you come to church. But I love even more that you get that you are the church. And as the church of Jesus Christ, there are things that are okay in the world, but they're not okay in the house of God. They're not okay in your life. Are you hearing me? And the more we start to become sensitive and conscious of God, and the more we spend time in prayer, we're rubbing shoulders, we're hugging, we're cheek to cheek, we're neck to neck. And the anointing that is on Him stirs the anointing that is in us. And your prayer life will give way to miracles. Let me show you some more patterns here. So Cornelius, he had a custom of praying. It says he and all his family were devout, God-fearing. He was generous, and he prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he has a vision. How many of you, and just very honestly, very simple like a kid, how many of you here would love to experience a vision from the Holy Spirit? I would. I've had some, but, I, you know, I want a few more. It says young men will dream dreams, old men will, uh, sorry, young men will see visions and old men will dream dreams. I want a vision. <laughs> I want that validation that I'm still young. Amen. 
I'm young. I'm young. <laughs> we'll let Paul here get the dreams. I'm going for the visions. <laughs> but, but it says Cornelius. He wasn't a Christian. He was God-fearing. He was a Jew. He hadn't heard about the Messiah. And if he did, he hadn't understood. And as was his custom at 3 o'clock, in other words, he constantly set time aside, even daily, set deliberate time aside. Aside from riding on his horse and he prays and he's thinking, he sets time aside. If you want the windows of visions to open, you have to sit on the bench near the window. You know how some windows have got a little seat and you sit there and you look out the window? We have to spend time with him in prayer. I believe more than ever the church is going to the church, you, are going to start seeing visions, dreaming dreams, and prophetic things are going to come to you in the Holy Ghost, and the power of God will start to fall. I want you to expect it. I'm sowing seed in your heart so that faith and expectation will rise, but I'm also sowing the way how to, and that is by cultivating a lifestyle of prayer. So here's Cornelius. He has a vision. Listen to this vision. He, he, he's now repeating it to others. And so he says, one day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. I would have liked to just have seen that. Here's this Roman soldier shaking in his boots at the evidence of an angel. What is it, Lord? He asked. And the angel answered. Now listen to this. This is what the angel answers. Your prayers and your gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. What's the mem your prayer memorial look like? Is it that big? You see, God keeps a record, and he keeps good records. And he had a record of all of Cornelius' prayers. Wow. I don't want my prayers to just be about what I need. So I pray for everybody else, too. I pray for the will of God. I don't know how many times... See, even just thinking about it, my heart goes soft and I start to feel a bit emotional. I don't know how many times I've said to my father, this is your church. I want the people to see you. I want them to have experiences with you. Show your goodness. Show your power. Show your glory. Let men and women see the miracles and fall in love with Jesus. Amen. And so the angel says, Cornelius, your prayers have become a memorial. That's how precious they are to God. Here's this Roman centurion. His prayers were so loved by God. How many of you keep all your Father's Day cards, all your Mother's Day cards? Huh? I do. I, I have them. And uh, they're a memorial to me. I even hold on to a lot of the cards that I get from you guys from the church. And uh, I'm running out of space of where to put them. But they're a memorial. And every once in a while I go back and I read it. It's a memorial. And God keeps a memorial of your prayers. Brian, in the midst of being on the roof, fixing people's roofs, in the midst of uh, 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 diving in the gulf and spearfishing, as you're thinking and you're thinking of the Lord and meditating on him, you are so important to God. Whether you always see that and understand that or not, you are so important that when you take time to have meaningful conversation with him, God saves that piece of paper and it's part of a memorial. Amen. This is when my son Brian stopped and talked with me and we had a conversation. The angel comes from heaven and says, you have a memorial of prayer. I want to encourage everybody in this house, 
Let's build a memorial of prayer before the Lord. God keeps good records. And I don't want that the record that he keeps is that we never pray. Or that we only pray when we need something. Amen. We need a quick fix. I want you and me to have memorials filled with love letters of conversations where we just took time to dote on God. And I know to guys that can sound a little bit wimpish or feminish, but, but look, I, I sit back and I, I gander at God and I, I talk about how awesome he is, how big he is, how strong he is, how wonderful he is. I, I talk about, you know, the miracles he's done in my life. David often boasted of the things of the Lord. And at times, I thank him for loving me. Even especially when I've known better and I've still made wrong choices. Hello? So Cornelius had a, a, a routine of prayer and the window of visions starts to open up for him. Look, what I'm saying is when you commit to praying, God will commit to saying. Amen. He will start speaking and he will start visiting and he will start showing up. And so... Um, so the angel says, you know, your prayers are, and gifts have become a memorial. About noon the following day, they were on their journey. He told, the angel literally told Cornelius, send some men to such and such a city, stop at such and such an address, gave him the address and everything. This guy's not spirit-filled. We're spirit-filled that we, we have trouble believing we can get a word of knowledge. If that hurt, I'm, I, I'm not sorry. The Holy Ghost hadn't come on this guy yet. He gets a street, a street number, the house of Peter the Tanner, and asks for Peter the, the preacher. And this guy had such a custom of prayer that while he sends his men to get the apostle Peter, God comes down and visits Peter on the roof of a house and gives Peter a vision. You see, when we live a life of prayer, intentional prayer, miracles will happen around our life. Peter went up on the roof. He became, to, actually, verse 9, about noon the following day as they were on their journey approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. What happens? He became hungry, wanted something to eat, and while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw a vision. He saw a heaven open and something like a large sheet being let down to earth by its four corners. So Cornelius is telling some of the stories. He says, three days ago I was in my house praying at this hour, three in the afternoon, and a man in shining clothes stood before me. And as Cornelius is telling the story, they had sent for Peter. Peter came and he starts preaching about Jesus and the whole house got baptized in the Holy Ghost. And Peter, in his Jewish mind, he's really confused. He said, how can they get the Holy Ghost? They're Gentiles. See, when God starts doing miraculous things, it'll mess with your head. Because no matter how much we don't want to put God in a box, we put God in a box. As big as your imagination is, it's only a fraction of what God can do. Amen. Absolutely. And so you'll see as you go through the New Testament over and over again, they had created a, a pattern of prayer and the miraculous would happen. Acts 16, verse 13. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who gathered there. This is the Apostle Paul. One of those listening was a woman from Thyatira named Lydia, a dealer in purple. She was a worshiper of God, and the Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her house were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay. And she persuaded us. Then in verse 16... Once when we were going to the place of prayer, again, 
We were met by a female slave who had a spirit which predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. And the spirit was saying it in a jeering, mocking way. And finally, after several days, but notice Paul again was on his way to prayer. He casts the spirit out of this woman, and this woman gets gloriously saved. Now, I'll tell you the next part of the story. Paul gets thrown into jail because their slave owners were angry. They lost their income. But in jail... An angel comes and sets them free and they have revival in jail because here's Paul praying and worshiping even in jail. A house of prayer, my house is a house of prayer. A house of prayer is a life of prayer. And a life of prayer becomes a life of miracles. I want to encourage you to expect and to open yourself up to the miraculous. And know that God isn't just in the textbook. He's in the text of your life. Amen. Amen. Come on, stand with me. Praise God. How many of you enjoy hearing the testimonies of miracles? Well, I want you to know something, and, and I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, and I'm going to say it again. The Spirit of God has really prompted me to stir the gift of the Spirit in our meetings. And so you'll be seeing the pastors moving in words of knowledge and prophetic words more and more often. And it won't be long, probably in the new year, early in the new year, I'm actually one Sunday morning going to get year three Bible college students and they're going to be out the front and they're going to minister in the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Number one, so that God gets the glory. Number two, so that God's kids get answers to their prayers and get touched by Him. Whether it's through a prophetic word or a word of knowledge that brings about a healing or deliverance. But number three is so that the overflow of that anointing will fall on you and you'll have visions and dream dreams and prophesy. The apostle, not the apostle, Saul one time was going down the countryside looking for some of his lost animals and there was a group of prophets and they were prophesying. And as he came close, the same spirit of the Lord came on him and he started to prophesy this is the day of miracles the same way doctors can't understand how you're still on your feet right I mean this is a miracle in progress her blood is so thick they don't understand how she's alive this woman had uh, aneurysm uh, they had already taken video uh, scans and uh, CAT scans of it. And uh, then one morning on a Sunday morning, she starts having some manifestations of this aneurysm playing up. She's dizzy. They rush her to the hospital. We stopped the church service as we were given notice. They took scans just before they went in to operate while we're having church. We stopped. Everyone stood. We started praying. The scans showed them exactly where to go. The, the diagnosis was it is in such a difficult place to reach. What was your percentages of dying? If it went bad, it went bad. There was okay. And percentage of being paralyzed? Oh, no, I would just die. You would just die. And it was in a really... It was in the center of my brain. Center of a brain, very hard to get at place. We prayed. And as we prayed... Before they even cut her head open. Yeah, they, they went up through my groin and with the camera, and they were going to try to, to operate on it. And he goes, oh, it's gone. Did you hear that? She said it very casually. 
oh, it's gone. The doctors weren't that casual about it when suddenly it was gone. Okay. But these aren't meant to be yearly highlights. These signs will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Right now her blood is so thick the doctors don't understand how she's alive. But this is a walking miracle. The miraculous is evidence of God's presence. That's it. Don't make it harder than it is. God loves us, and He wants to do miraculous things for us. Amen. And He will do miraculous things through you, through us, in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray. I know what you've told me in my spirit, and I'm acting in obedience. We open your house to the moving of your Holy Spirit. And I pray, Spirit of God, convict every man and woman to create a life of prayer and open the windows of dreams in the Holy Ghost, of visions that come from your Spirit. Open the doors of prophetic and words of knowledge and healings and miracles. Father, this is that day. It has been all along. But help us to realize the now. The now. Amen. We open the windows of your supernatural as you open their hearts to hunger a life of prayer. Amen. In Jesus' name. If you have never asked Jesus Christ into your heart, Knowing about God is one thing. Going to church, being an altar boy, that's another thing. But I've been saying here today, you are the church. You can only be the church if you invite Jesus Christ to come into your heart. You don't have to sign up as a member of this church. I can't save you. This church can't save you. It's a personal relationship with Jesus Christ and consciously, deliberately welcoming Him into your life and asking Him to be your Lord, your Savior, and to take over your life. I'm telling you, Jesus is returning soon. And for those who are not ready and who get left behind, the Bible and I will someday very soon go into details. It's going to be a horrible, hellish mess. Accept Jesus into your heart while every eye is closed. I don't care what you've done wrong. I don't care how often you've done it or how bad it is. Jesus is bigger than all my bad. And Jesus is bigger than all your bad. Whatever shame, whatever guilt, whatever fear, whatever, how much you've ignored him and poo-pooed it in the past, it doesn't matter. Today is the day of salvation. While every eye is closed, Jesus is talking to you. You feel something stirring on the inside. It's not just emotions. It's the Spirit of God moving you. Put your hand up if you want to ask Jesus in your heart right now. Thank you. I see that. God told me, Les, right? God told me that he was touching you, and yet you're sensing something. Can I pray for you? Sir, come. Let me pray with you. You, you. Your sister can come with you. Who else? Who else knows they need to ask Jesus Christ into their heart right now? Amen. I want you to make special effort to start bringing your unsaved friends. I know the Spirit of God is increasing in His anointing and moving in this church. And expect to start to see more and more miraculous things happening. Amen. I know you know your sisters had an amazing miracle. 
and she shouldn't be here medically speaking but we're glad she is God delivered her that day and what I love about her story is that she's honest enough to say that she was even though she came to church agnostic not sure a hundred percent but she had an encounter <laughs> this lady was deep sea diving and the boat the party boat they were on she jumped out last dive of the day if I got my facts right and the motor was still in gear and it sucked her in and cut straight through to her bones cut so many arteries there's no way she should be alive sorry the femoral femoral artery in two separate places the doctors no one expected her to live but while she is stuck the motor finally stopped with her jammed in there and the blade cutting into her bone and she cries out to Jesus because she remembers her mother-in-law little glory over there always said if you're ever in trouble call on the name of Jesus and even while she wasn't sure I appreciate that kind of honesty. She called on the name of Jesus and suddenly she was in this bubble of light and the presence of God. She felt such joy and pain left immediately. Her husband dives in the water to rescue her body. At this point, they were convinced it was going to be just a recovering a body. And he jumps in the water. The water is filled with blood. And she is having such an experience with God in the midst of this bleeding to death, literally, wedged by the, the blade of the motor, cut right through to her bone and up against the, the, the boat. And she's seeing Jesus and she's waving to her husband to come into the presence that she was in. And she couldn't understand why he wasn't getting it. But God came to her in that moment. And she knows today that she knows that she knows that she knows that her Redeemer lives. Amen. 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 It's not about religion. It's about coming to relationship with this Jesus Christ. Amen. And I know you know enough of her story that you were probably hungry before you got here to ask Jesus into your life. I'm going to ask you to repeat a simple prayer with me and anyone else who hasn't raised their hand but wants to. Everyone, when I pray, repeat this prayer after me. And we're going to pray something like this. God, I do believe in you. And I do believe, Jesus, that you died on that Christ cross for me. I've made mistakes, but I hear you love me. And I'm asking you to come into my heart and take over my life. So, Les, let me ask you. It is Les, right? Les. Les. Yes. L-E-S? Okay. So, that's, in a nutshell, what I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you to repeat after me. I'm not here to emotionally manipulate you. So I'm going to give you a chance to sit down if you don't want to pray that. Are you happy to pray that? Sure. Yeah. Amen. You know, I, I, I just got away from you. Yeah. I understand that too. I'm trying to get back. Yeah. Well, guess what? He's all around you. He's all around you. Your darkest hours and the darkest fears that you struggle with God's got his hand on your back and he's saying, it's going to be okay. He loves you. While he hasn't authored everything that's happened in your life, he wants to be the author who continues the story. Does that make sense to you? Yes. Amen. Close your eyes, everyone. Close your eyes and pray with me right now. Dear God, I believe you're real. I'm asking you, Jesus Christ, to come back into my life. I walked away. I messed up. But you're the God of the prodigal. 
and I'm coming home. Jesus Christ, I welcome you. Come into my life. Forgive me. And start again with me. I surrender and I give you the right to take control of my life. In Jesus' name. Thank you, God, that this prayer is a memorial before you today. I thank you today. You come into my heart. My sins are forgiven. And I am born again. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Tina if you would go with your brother. I'm going to call on Pastor Tom. Is Pastor Tom back there? Would you come? And I'd like you to give Les one of those New Testaments that we have. And uh, just uh, share a couple of minutes with him about the affirmation that God has heard that simple prayer. He doesn't need educated prayers. If he did, I'd be out of a job. It's just heartfelt, simple things. He's not into playing heady games. Isn't that good? Amen. Amen. Well, if you two would both go with Pastor Tom, let's give Les a big hand. Amen. God bless you, man. Awesome. Awesome. Proud of you. Good man. God bless you. Church, the miraculous is now. The Spirit of God is now. The prophetic, the supernatural, that's who God has always been. And it's who He wants to be in your life. Let's start making a specific, conscious effort of creating a life of prayer. And you will see the windows of miracles will open in your life. God bless you. I look forward to the next time we're together. It's getting better and better and better in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to be conducting a baby dedication right here, right now. For those of you who have to leave, that's fine. If you would like to stay, just quickly gather around here.